Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Wow, what a powerful uh, meeting this has already been. Pretty humbling for me to come after this dear man who has seen so much, so much suffering. And I just uh, thank the Lord for the privilege of being back here again. It's 50 years since I first came. I was quite a controversial person. A lot of doors were closed, and the Bangor Mission Convention was the first really major event next to one other event that I went to when I first came to Britain that caused our whole thing to take off. So I'm always grateful. I think Lionel Gurney helped make that happen. Only the Lord knows uh, the full story. And here I am 50 years later. I've had the joy of ministering in over 100 of your churches across this part of the nation and the joy of seeing thousands. Uh, We used to call them Ulster men, Ulster women, (laughs) Irish, launch out into global missions. Some short-term, some long-term. Even tonight, for the first time, I met a man who said his life was changed through hearing me speak in 63, went on OM in Italy for three months, been in Brazil most of his life. I just met him for the first time since those early days. About 200,000 have served with Operation Mobilization, all because one woman, excuse me, one woman prayed for me. I was not a Christian. Many of you know my story. It's now even available on film. And she uh, not only prayed that I become a Christian, she prayed that I would become a missionary. Imagine that. She didn't even discuss this with me. And... uh, My grandfather, by the way, was an atheist. My other grandfather was born in this country. I went to the church in Porta Down where his parents were married. Unfortunately, he ended up uh, in America as an alcoholic and my grandmother divorced him. So I didn't have the kind of Christian legacy that many of you have. And over half the people that have served with OM have come from Christian homes. So God works among young people from Christian homes, but God also can get a hold of characters uh, like me. And of course, it's through prayer. This lady not only prayed for me, but she put action on her prayer and sent me a gospel of John through the post. Around that same time, pornography in a small way tried to push its way into my life. But as I read this gospel, and sometimes I'd come home from a nightclub in New York City near my home, uh, having a lot of fun, and I'd pick up this gospel of John. And I would encourage all of you to keep distributing the scriptures or these tremendous Jesus DVDs with the whole film of Jesus often available in 15 languages. If you don't know anything about that, please, please email me. So I was reading this gospel. God was beginning to work in my heart. And then God's servant, Billy Graham, came to New York City just one night. This was not a crusade. He was a guest speaker for a converted band leader, the man who founded Word of Life, named Jack Wurston. 
and on the film you can see this uh, this fantastic uh, picture in uh, uh, Billy Graham in that particular meeting, March 3rd, 1955. I heard the gospel. As far as I know, for the first time, and I went forward in this huge stadium, Madison Square Garden, and I believed on Jesus. And he saved me, and he sent me that same night, first back to my high school. People wanted to know what was going on because I had a reputation of being a bit wild. And that opened the door to share with my whole school, uh, which is now illegal in the United States. And we started prayer meetings, and I eventually got to meet this lady that prayed for me. She prayed for me the rest of her life. She's now in heaven. And uh, I just thank the Lord that he's able to use a character like me. In some ways, I've never been a strong Christian. I've never got my act all together. Um, I'm mystified that God could ever use someone like me, but he uses all kinds of people. And the message I want to share as we bring this night to a close is God wants to use you. Each one of you is important. Before I say a little more about that, I'd like us to remember the words of the Lord Jesus from Acts 1.8. When the Holy Spirit comes upon me, ye shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus has not rescinded that challenge, that promise, that command. And yet here we are 2,000 years later, and probably about one-fourth of people in the world, some would say one-third, but having done a lot of research about this, birthing the 100 million club, the, the first character crazy enough to list all the organizations in the world that have reached at least 100 million, quite a bit of overlap there, over 40 organizations. OM is just one of those 40. So in the midst of church planting, humanitarian work, in-depth counseling, all the amazing things that the body of Christ is doing, mass evangelism has continued. And that's why probably three-fourths of the people in the world have had at least something, maybe a booklet, maybe a track, maybe a film. Of course, not enough. But Hudson Taylor said, if giving the gospel once is not enough, what do we say of never giving it at all? And I just urge you, if you're not already doing it, I urge you with all my heart to take the commands of Jesus Christ seriously. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every person. This doesn't mean everyone should go, but since it comes from the word of God, it means all of us who love Jesus should embrace this, this cause, this global mission that this conference has stood for for 80 years, to embrace it into our life, not just in word, but in deed. One of the strongest messages to me, to the body of Christ today, because I really feel, and I know this may offend some, but I really feel for so many Christians, it's largely a head trip. I believe even many pastors today, from interviewing hundreds of them, it's a head trip. It's not exploded into their lives so that they're sharing their faith and they're involved in prayer and they're raising finance 
And no wonder so many pastors, especially in the United States, are getting 150, 200,000 a year when millions and millions are starving to death across the world. If you think I'm strong, try 1 John chapter 3. In this we perceive the love of Christ in that he laid down his life for us. So we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He that hath this world's goods, just look around us in Ireland. He who hath this world's good, sees his brother in need, and opens not his heart of compassion, how dwelleth the love of God in him. They're, they're not my words. They're actually too strong for me. And if you read my more recent books, it's all about grace. It's all about forgiveness. The message of discipleship, of course, is still there. And so these words from James, I think, are relevant as we launch into this 80th year. Be not hearers of the word, but be doers. One of the marks of the low level of spirituality is the attendance at missionary prayer meetings, the attendance at even basic church prayer meetings. I hope your church is the exception, but in my research in over 1,000 churches in the Western world, though I spent a lot of my time in the East as well, in so many cases, the prayer meeting has died or only a few people are involved. A survey was taken of the prayer life of a group of pastors. I believe the survey is false because I can't accept it, but the average pastor in this survey was praying less than five minutes a day. I must be some kind of raving nut. I often pray six, seven hours in one day. Prayer is the Christian's final breath, and I want to breathe. And as I look back at what I've seen in about 100 nations where I've been involved, I know it's prayer that makes it happen. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty unto God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want to ask you as you leave the building tonight, how is your prayer life? Are you giving it a good chunk of your time each day? At least a half an hour. That isn't that much. I think of all the time we waste watching so much on television. I'm not anti-television. I'm actually a great believer in every kind of communication. And there are a lot of good things. In fact, the good is often the enemy of the best. But just add up the amount of time right now watching the Olympics. Nothing wrong with that, I would say, if it's in moderation. But compare the time the average person who says he loves Jesus spends watching television compared to the time they spend on their knees. Or if you want to get really depressed, compare it with the time they spend sharing their faith, especially with millions who have come from around the world and now live here in Great Britain, my adopted country. By the way, people keep asking me when I'm going to go back to the United States. It is embarrassing. Maybe I should move from London to Belfast. Maybe it would be easier here. My accent. Why would I ever want to go back to the United States? It costs three times as much to die and get buried in the States than it does here in Great Britain. Anyway, my wife and I both applied for British citizenship. And it's good I had a sense of humor as she was accepted and I was turned down. And so I'm not planning to go back, and you're all invited to my house in London and have a cup of tea. Let's remember 
the words of Scripture that are strong. Let's just reflect on a few of them. Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him deny self, take up the cross and follow me. Another one of my surveys is among young men and a very high percentage, all of them acknowledge they are being drawn into the world of pornography. They may have hands laid on them. They may go to special conferences. I'm not against those things. But I want to tell you, young man, if you're struggling with that, as I did as a teenager, and I still have to be careful, you have to accept the commands of Jesus to deny self. You cut into that emotion when it's about to get you to do something stupid that even some Christian leaders have done here in Northern Ireland. You've got to take up that cross and follow him. There's no substitute for daily denying self, taking up the cross and following him. Another one of my surveys showed that a lot of women married to Christian men take the brunt of their anger. How can it be a man professing faith in Jesus or a woman demonstrating anger? The Bible is so clear. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness. I share as a failure because my anger hurt my wife in those early years. But because of books like Calvary Road, and I hope to give to a few of you free tonight, that chapter in that book, Revival in the Home, God just broke me and exposed this anger, this impatience. God went even further and exposed irritability, especially through the writings of Roy Hessian. And I believe that's one of the reasons my wife and I have not only had 56 years of great marriage, but we've had 56 years of revival in the power of Jesus through denying self, taking up the cross and following him. Of course, without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I don't believe that's possible. It's amazing how people put one spiritual truth against another spiritual truth. You know, is it being filled with the Spirit, or is it the exchange life, or is it abiding in Christ, or is it denying self, taking... It's all part of the glorious message of this book that enables us to live victoriously in Jesus. And young man, young woman, I'm so glad there are some young people here. You can live victoriously in Jesus. You can get victory over that habit or the prayerlessness or the neglect of the word of God or your impatience or your anger. There is victory, but there's no easy road. Some of you have long-standing difficulties in a particular area. You need to get some help. You need to have accountability. I do watch a little of the Olympics. I haven't been able to this time because my schedule's been a bit erratic. I've just literally come from around the world again. But I, when I do watch the Olympics, I'm always challenged. The training, the training that goes in to getting the gold. By the way, 95% of all the athletes at the Olympics, this may encourage some of you, guess what? They're all losers. So if you're a loser, that's okay. You can be in God's Olympics. I've been a loser a number of times. 
when I lived in Spain and I was going to launch this big smuggling expedition into the Soviet Union, I was so excited. I mobilized prayer. I had learned how to type the Russian language. I had a printing press hidden in my car. Russia, here I come. How many of you ever heard of Brother Andrew, God's smuggler? He's well known over here. I'm going to be with him actually in a week or two. Open Doors has an exhibit here. By the way, do visit these exhibits. It's the first thing I did when I came here. Let's go around these exhibits. Lots of freebies. How can you turn away free things? And uh, anyway, Brother Andrew's known as God's smuggler. I'm, I'm Brother George. I'm known as God's bungler. Yeah. I tried the same thing due to a stupid mistake. I have what's called a stupidity streak. I was arrested by the Soviet police, accused of being a spy. Quite a lot of publicity, actually. Front page, American spy arrested in Rovno. Failure. I was encouraged by a book, Erwin Lutzer, Moody Church. Have you read that book? Failure, the back door to success. I recommend it. Well, I've not read it myself, but the cover especially uh, spoke to my heart. <clears throat> It was through that failure in the Soviet Union that the whole concept of Operation Mobilization was born. Before that, we were called Send the Light. Our focus was very narrow. Muslim world, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, communist world, closed countries, Western Europe, not included. But through that failure and the day of prayer, God gave me that name, Operation Mobilization, and a vision to work with God's people, the vision to work where the church was, and that birthed the vision for Britain where I knew there were a lot of churches. And to see Germans and British and French, who'd all not long before that killing each other, including my wife's father, to see them mobilize, the first time that word had ever been used in a non-military term. By the next summer, in a miraculous way, God gave us 200 people. I'm honored that Lady Ian Paisley is here at our meeting this evening because it was Ian Paisley who first welcomed me here to Ireland and met me on the ferry. This is a couple years before the Bangor Convention and uh, that she would be here tonight with her daughter is very emotional for me as I stayed in their home. And I remember him especially raising a lot of money that night for me to get those very first vehicles in the history of OM. Little did we know, little did we know what God would do. Little did we know the next summer there would be 2,000 and in their steps 200,000 and tens of thousands would be launched into lives of missions, not with OM, but with almost every major mission society in the world. God's mysterious way of working. And that's just one of many reasons why you should realize God can use you in missions, even though you may not feel you're the missionary type, even though you may not feel you're victorious enough. This is just part of the enemy's strategy. God loves you. That's the bottom line. When I failed, I somehow, because I was saturated with the scriptures before I was 20 years of age, I knew that God loved me. Even when I had a fall once with a magazine in a tree, the kind of expensive porno that I would never buy. And yet I was walking through this woods and this magazine caught me off guard and I sinned in the lust of the eyes. 
And when you do that and you're my kind of temperament, you really feel bad, I can tell you. You want to quit. Have you ever felt that in your Christian life when you've failed, especially in anything connected with sex? It's so amazing. Over 500 verses in the Bible about sex, but oftentimes it's changed a little. But in those early days, no one hardly ever spoke about it. I thank God that Billy Graham, my spiritual father, spoke openly about this, and Jack Wurston as well. And so I was discipled and realized how I could get a handle on this emotion and live victoriously. Coming out of the woods that day was a failure. But I knew 1 John chapter 2, sin not my goal every day. Second part of the verse, if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so I repented and received his forgiveness. God's amazing grace. I hope some of you will go to your Christian bookstore and pick up this film in which I share this so that it can be passed on to young people who don't generally go to these kind of meetings. And that's one of the reasons I allowed the Christian Television Associates to produce this film, never dreaming it would then be going on television all over the world. And I'd ask you to pray that most important prayer that was already quoted this evening. The Lord of the harvest would send forth workers into the harvest. Many of us here are older. And I ask you, don't allow a gap between yourself and younger people. Learn to listen to them. Learn to try to understand their music. Maybe go to the, some of their meetings. You can always bring earplugs with you. But I believe, you know, it's amazing in Switzerland, they give you earplugs at the door of these churches where the music's too loud. It seems the Swiss are always ahead on some of these issues. And I just believe God is working among young people. Some of them don't feel comfortable in our churches anymore. All right, we can have our personal convictions, but God is raising up new churches. We need to celebrate more the variety of ways that God is working, even when we may not ourselves agree. I believe that's why God rescued me in my struggles and my doubts. Think so many things to me don't make sense. And doubt and unbelief has attacked me again and again because of what I've seen and what seemed to be so often unanswered prayer. The Lord in his mercy gave me my own personal word, messiology. Of course, it's based on one of my own proverbs, which you'll not find in the Bible. I don't, you know, I don't know how to apply for that. Uh, but my proverb is where two or three of the Lord's people are gathered together. Sooner or later, there's a mess. That's quite negative. And some people, especially this younger generation, are walking away from the church because they've seen the messes. They've seen the hypocrisy. They've seen the inconsistency. The fault is upon them as well as upon us because so often youth have totally unrealistic expectation about human beings. And God transformed my thinking in these past couple of decades to realize the amazing way that he works often in messy situations. God was working here. I write about this in my new book. Some of the chapters written, uh, sorry, wrong book. <laughs> Some of the chapters uh, written right here uh, near Belfast. 
but I share how God was working here even in these last 40 years in the midst of the bombs and the killings, things that are horrific. We can't forget those things if this nation is in our spiritual bloodstream. And yet God worked in the midst of it. God was blessing white South Africans in a powerful way, even in revival when they were practicing apartheid. God was pouring out his spirit upon white Americans who owned slavery. How do we explain this? Messiology. You read the book and you'll join the thousands who have given me feedback about this concept of rethinking the way God works. And especially when you're older, it's mega encouraging. I think of some of the things I've seen on Christian television, just horrific. I just immediately switched the channel off to determine I'm never going to watch that preacher again. Then for the next 30 years, I meet people all over the world saved through that preacher. It seems that more are saved through him than are being saved in my ministry. Messiology. So easily we criticize the church. I find people in their own countries, some of my Nigerian friends, so critical of the church. Usually it's the other church. When Truly, God is working in Nigeria in a phenomenal way, as in so many African countries. But as already touched on by my dear brother, often in the midst of suffering and things that don't always make sense. So I want to encourage you as we launch into this 80th year to rethink some of the ways you consider God's work to maybe have a more wide-angle view and take on what Swindoll talks about in his brilliant book, Grace Awakening, graciously disagreeing and pressing on. Some of you may not want to hear this, but I don't think there's any straight drinks left in the body of Christ. From now on, it's all cocktails. People pick up something on television. They pick up something in a book. They pick up something in a special conference. Then they pick something up from their local pastor. They mix it in their own mind, and they come out with their own personal cocktail. I feel if the basics are there concerning what Jesus has done on the cross, concerning the Bible as the word of God, if the basics are there, well... Somehow, though I have my personal preference, just like you, I honor what God is doing. God has been doing great things here in Northern Ireland. This has been one of the greatest missionary Antioch sending places in the whole history of global missions. So we have a lot to celebrate but we have a lot to live up to as this legacy is passed on to the next generation. And that's why I've asked you, older people, don't allow those gaps. Don't stop talking to young people. Don't stop taking the initiative. Most of them especially like to be invited to Starbucks for a coffee, even though uh, in my early days, I preached against spending money for cups of coffee. People think George Brewer has backslidden when they spotted me in Starbucks having a latte. I can assure you that the legalistic streak of OM in those early days 
hurt a lot of people. If any of you were hurt by it, I apologize tonight. And yet God did mighty things in the midst of it. Messiology. Take it in. Read my book. Send me an email. But more than that, make a recommitment this weekend to the Lord Jesus and to the task of world missions. There are 40 nations, at least whole nations, that have less than 2% of the witness we have here. Maybe I'd better be safe. Less than 2% of the witness we have in London where I live, where we have also a million Muslims. We need mobilizers. We need people who will distribute mission books, give out mission videos, invite people into their home for a coffee, and spread the vision. There's no retirement program for kingdom people. There's slowing down. There's a lot of change. My own wife has enormous health challenges. Her life is greatly changed, but she's somehow still managing to put in eight hours a day, seven days a week for King Jesus, and she loves it. All of us can serve him, yes, with our limitations and our weaknesses until we're with him. And if we're going to evangelize the world, we need everyone. Would you re-enlist or would you reaffirm your commitment to what the Lord Jesus has told us to do? And especially if you're younger, but not exclusively, because many people are going into missions as a second career. It's another whole story, no time to tell it tonight. But especially if you're a young person, would you consider the claims of Jesus and start thinking about those 40 nations where there are hardly any workers, many of them restricted access, but there's ways in there if there are people of commitment, of vision, of passion. And if God can use a character like me with so many struggles and difficulties and doubts, he can use anybody. I give my closing story because you'll remember that maybe more than anything I've said. The family was in the thunderstorm, and even the adults were nervous about the thunder and the lightning. Then they realized their little girl was alone up in the bedroom, little seven-year-old. They ran upstairs, and they opened the door. They expected to see her hiding under the bed. Guess what? She was looking out the window. They said, are you okay? She said, I'm fine. I think, I think God is taking my picture. God loves you. In some meetings, we have people called VIPs. It's okay. It's part of our culture. But with God, everybody here is a VIP. He's taking your picture. He wants to use you. But you've got to take that step, and you have to take it on a daily basis. If any man come after me, let him deny self, take up the cross, and follow me. Would you do it? Not in the head, not in words, but in daily, dynamic, Holy Ghost, disciplined reality. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the challenges we've heard tonight, the interview, the message, the song. And we ask, Lord, deliver us from just being hearers of the word. And we may go from here with a greater commitment in prayer, in mobilization, in releasing finance, in sharing the vision with others, in sharing our faith, in being available 
short-term, long-term, to go to the more unreached people. Lord, when I return to London after this weekend, I think more than anything else, I remember that young woman I met last night who's full-time in Belfast, sharing her faith with Muslims and actually among Saudi Arabians. Lord, open our eyes. We failed to reach the Muslim world, and so you have brought the Muslim world to us with all of its complexity, with all of its scariness, and we will not be frightened. We will not be intimidated, but we will go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit to see the greatest harvest among Muslims the world has ever seen. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.